G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Look forward to one of those heart-to-heart conversations over this coming hour as we start to explore some things that it might just strike a chord with you. You might feel as though, well, this is where I'm at right now. And asking if you ever do feel like a square peg in a round hole and finding where you fit in God's purposes. It ought to be the pursuit of every follower of Christ. Well, there's often a yearning in our hearts that says, I was made for more than this. But it's so easy to be trapped in the mundane routines of our lives. There's uh, some amazing wisdom in God. Being trusted with little things is the forerunner to being trusted with greater things. A conversation today about finding where you fit in God's purposes or developing your skills to fulfill the assignment that God has set for you. Stu Miller is the trainer, is the founder of Train to Proclaim. Stu's back with us today. Stu, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Great to be back. Stu, when we talk about these types of issues, uh, sometimes it's a little bit airy-fairy. We feel like uh, I captured something in that conversation. It's just got to solidify in my life now. Mm. I wonder whether and what comes to mind for you when we start talking about the purposes of God and where I fit in all of that and I'm supposed to have some gifts and are those things developing in me? What does God do and what am I supposed to do? Mm. Uh, What are the first things that come to mind for you? Well, I I think there's a yearning in all of our hearts to make an eternal difference. We want to know what is God's purpose for me here on earth and am I achieving that purpose? So I sort of think, well, I don't want to get to the the stage where I'm 80 years old and I look back over my life and go, man, I wish I did something important. I wish I did something of eternal value. Um, I don't want that for my life. I want to know what does God want me to do? What can I invest in eternity now? Uh, now, if you're listening to this and you're 80 years old, of course, you know there's always hope to for the rest of our lives to to do something for God. But um, if you're a young person looking ahead in life, I would say find what God wants you to do and do it with all your heart. You've got a whole lifetime where you can make an eternal difference in people's lives, and uh, I think it's exciting. I think. God isn't just doing everything himself. I mean, God is very capable of doing everything himself, and yet he's using us in his great master plan, his rescue plan for this world. And that's that's amazing. When you are sharing those thoughts, mm. I can't help but think that there are a lot of people who are working very hard mm. to fulfill a very earthly purpose, mm-hmm. not an eternal purpose. And if you think of those sort of earthly purposes, you might be a workaholic yep. uh, building a business, mm-hmm. building a uh, a whole uh, empire, uh, thinking that this is what you are called to do and this is what will make you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's this eternal dimension that you've got to be aware of as a Christian mm-hmm. believer. We're not just living in a secularized world. There are bigger things in play. 
Yeah, in the secular world, there's an expression that says, you know, uh, talks about climbing the ladder of success just to find it re- uh, leaning against the wrong wall. And uh, it's quite a good expression because, I mean, it makes you think about, am I putting all this effort and getting up this ladder just to find it's not actually on the wall that I thought it was on? And um, a lot of people do. They put a lot of effort and time and effort and they spend their lives chasing a dream. And then you got to they look back over their lives and go, what was it for for? Um, but in Christ, we have a fantastic opportunity to invest in eternity and not, you know, as the Bible says, you know, not store up our riches here on earth that we're uh, rust can destroy and moths can destroy, but rather store up our, our riches in heaven. And uh, the Bible tells us that we are promised crowns and rewards for the things that we do for the Lord uh, that are of eternal value. Now, just early in a conversation like this, uh, perhaps good to even embrace uh, what some people do because they are climbing a ladder of success mm-hmm. and doing that with a heart that is right before God, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and amazing things are happening for them. Mm. It's a little bit like that person uh, gets the cake and the icing as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but, uh, yeah. but but whether they are happy in that uh, is going to be dependent on some of these eternal issues. This mm. is one of those things I think, you know, if we yeah. got into another deeper discussion about what makes us happy, uh, yes. happiness, uh, an eternal dimension there is a very important part of it. Yeah, I think that that fulfillment, you know, is the word that comes to my mind, you know, because we can sort of be happy in the moment on and diff- and then sad at different times as well. But if we're going to live a life of meaning and fulfillment, it's got to be rooted in eternity and in God's plan for our lives. Now, if we're talking about practical things, the Bible is not just all super spiritual, is it? That's right. Because uh, the Bible, in fact, in certainly in the writings of the Apostle Paul, when we're talking about those foundations for the early church, so, so practical because when Paul starts to describe the church, he's talking about a body of believers. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In um, 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about that, doesn't he? And, uh, and Romans 12 as well, the two big gift chapters in the Bible. Uh, you know, it goes through all the manifestational and motivational gifts, you know, and talks about how, we are all one body, and the eye can't say to the leg, you know, I don't need you. The leg can't say to the hand, I can't. Well, I'm actually paraphrasing here, of course. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you know, we can't say to another part of the body, we don't need you because you're not like us. And uh, all of us have incredible value, and we're all different. We're gifted differently by God, but we all should be part of that body moving in the same direction. And that's what I'd really like to bring out in this next hour is what is that direction we're supposed to be going in uh, together with our different gifts and our diversity. And this is where, in some sense, there are some complications because the purposes of God, mm. uh, some people vary on the what they think the purposes of God are. And uh, I have a good friend who talks about the eternal purposes of God and the time purposes of God. So you've got to get some context in all of these sorts of ways that we talk about God's purposes. In some sense today, we'll probably focus on the time purposes, those things that we can understand and glean from the scriptures and what we can see as a pattern through the history of the church. But yes, pursuing the purposes of God, sometimes that sounds a bit airy-fairy. Yeah, absolutely, and it's uh, it's going to be interesting. And I welcome uh, people to to call in today, you know, to talk about what they believe is the purpose of the church. What what, what is, where is the body meant to be heading? Where are we supposed to be walking? Because there is a variety of thought here, uh, Neil. But uh, there is some clear scriptural, um, you know, purposes as to why we're here uh, on earth. And you know what? I never like to divorce 
the purposes of the church from the purposes of God because the church is God's idea. And the more I contemplate these things, the more the church exists uh, as it does because of the miraculous endeavor of God. So Mm. the church being part of what God is doing in his purposes, it's really quite central to where we think about where we fit in. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it, that if if it's God's purpose and he has instituted his church. Now, we don't talking about the church as a, a an organization or an institution or a denomination. I'm talking about the church, you know, uh, people who love God and are following him, no matter what church they go to. I'm talking about the church. Uh, obviously, that that church is uh, following in, in what God, or, or we should be following in, in God's purposes. Let's talk about purpose here, Stu. Yep. Uh, you're an evangelist, mm-hmm. and listeners, long-time listeners will know that you're a fairly regular guest on 2020, and we're talking about all sorts of very different dimensions each time we talk, and usually we come back to evangelism. That is an important element of what the Christian believer thinks of, and some people think there's an evangelist, and then we all often will think we're all witnesses, uh, the sense of sharing our own testimony about Christ. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about evangelism, where that fits early in the conversation, and we'll broaden it from there. Sure. Uh, it's interesting in First Corinthians 13, uh, 12 and in Romans 12, those two big gift chapters that we mentioned before, uh, neither of them mention evangelism or witnessing or sharing your faith. <laughs> All of these gifts are supposed to work towards that greater goal of, of what Jesus told us, uh, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations. Uh, so we're working towards that goal with our different gifts, but it's not a specific gift for someone. A lot of people say, oh, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I go, that's good. I don't either. <laughs> no one has the gift of evangelism. <laughs> I've been offering $1,000 for anyone who can find anywhere in the Bible that evangelism is a gift. Now, we know that the evangelist is a gift in Ephesians uh, four, eleven, and 12. Uh, he himself called some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry. So the role of the evangelist as a gift to the church is to equip the saints, to equip the believers to share the gospel. So, because it's it's a command of Christ for all of us. So, uh, the first thing in this discussion, I think we've got to get out of the, out of the, out of our minds, is that it's a gift for someone else, and an, I'm not called to do it. Uh, it takes all types to reach all types, and you have got networks. If you're listening today, you've got networks that I'll never be able to reach into, but you can. Uh, you've got you've got a personality that I may not resonate um, with the same people that I speak with, and my personality may not res- resonate with the same people. So we need introverts, we need extroverts, we need all different types of people because we're a team reaching the world for Jesus Christ. And those networks are not all bless me clubs that are connected to the local church. Right. Those networks you're talking about, saying yeah. I've got no access to the networks you're a part of. That's right. These are reaching in into every facet of our society. So we're not talking here about when the church becomes something that helps shape where we fit in the purposes of God. You're not actually just restricting people and saying, okay, you've only got to work in the church as a Christian because actually you are in the world, not of the world, but in the world. Absolutely. You know, it's your neighbors, it's your workmates, it's your schoolmates if you're at school or university mates if you're at university. It's the people who are around that don't know Jesus. 
And not only those, even going beyond that to people we meet in the in the ordinary course of our day, the, the, the person on the on the checkout when we're going through it, uh, the shopping, with everyone we meet, we have an opportunity in some way to be able to communicate Christ, whether we're using a, a card or a tract or sharing a gospel or sharing a testimony. Uh, if we're focused and we're we're you know on what we're doing. And the goal that we have of reaching the world for Jesus Christ, there's many, many ways that we can communicate the gospel and reach people. So it's exciting to be a part of that. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. What are your thoughts about the things we're talking about today? Our special guest is Stu Miller, the founder of Train to Proclaim. We're talking about where you fit in the body as part of the purposes of God. I mentioned in the introduction, square pegs in round holes. The yearning in our heart that says there's got to be more than this. Maybe I'm not fitting what I'm doing now. Maybe I need to train and equip to fit into a place where my passion really lies. Well, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Before we move on, let's take a call, Stu. Alison is in Doughboy in Queensland. Hello, Alison. Welcome. Yes, good morning, Neil. Stuart, is it? I'm it's not Stu, sure. yes. Stu is our guest. What are your thoughts, yes. Alison? Well, just uh, my thoughts are that um, I'm on the other end of life, so to speak. But when I was young, I was very... Um, well, I actually was involved uh, in evangelism and as an evangelist uh, early in my early years. But, you know, at the end of the twilight years... Uh, you don't lose that call of God upon your life because it just it seems to become stronger and more mm. urgent. Mm. And um, so we kind of, my husband and I, I guess we say we're Caleb's. <laughs> I don't know, there's not a lady Caleb, but um, we're Caleb's and we still have a, a big heart for evangelism and a big heart to reach out to people. And we're actually cattle farmers, but in the role of what we do, we still are reaching out. And on our farm, we've erected this big cross and we have a vision uh, that we might leave a legacy now uh, to other people. That is so exciting, Alison, to hear that. And I hope people are listening and, and going, that is so great because your heart is there to reach the lost. And And I really resonate with what you're saying about as you're getting further and further through life, uh, you're sensing the urgency more and more uh, because you know what's important and you know there's limited time left to make an impact and to live out that vision that God's given you. And I hope you are a lady, Caleb, and I hope you live for many, many more years serving and, and getting the message out. Good on you, Alison. Alison, wonderful to hear that testimony. And uh, what strikes a chord with me is this thought that as we do get older, actually, it is more important and more impressed upon us as to what we are called to do. And it's oftentimes you've got a time when you've got more time on your hands, you've got more resources to use, and you are more mature in your faith. So you know how to go about uh, working things so that those things come to pass. So, Alison, thank you so much for a wonderful insight today. Uh, appreciate you joining us on 2020. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation. Stu, let's come back. Yep. 
Yeah, Alison, um, I, I knew another Alison that used to come and help me with my evangelism seminars, and she was 76 years old at the time, and she would help me mentor people, take people out on the street and, and share Christ with them. And she would always say that, you know, it's just the easiest thing being 76 and sharing the gospel, because who would say no to an elderly lady? You know, And she just goes up to people, hello, how are you? Can I have a seat next to you? And, and, and she away she goes, and she's got time, exactly what Neil was saying she had time she had resources and you know a lot of people are so busy with life when you're going through when you're younger you've got so much happening you're trying to pay the mortgage you've got kids you've got everything's happening at a million miles an hour and you think when can I ever share Jesus but and a lot of people retire and they think oh well I'm going to play cards now and join a bridge club I'm going to you know sit around and drink cups of tea you know what we, I think it's a perfect time of life where you, when you retire to say, I'm going to serve God with all my heart. I've now got time. I've got money. I can make this happen. And if you're listening there and you're, you're, you're retired uh, and you're listening to this show, just I would, would want to challenge you to, to think about doing what Alison's doing and, and uh, going, you know what? I'm going to make my twilight years really count uh, for Jesus. Wonderful stuff. When you are young, you are filled with passion mm-hmm. and energy and you want to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you're, if you're running without some level of guidance, you can be That's running right. in the wrong direction, uh, let <laughs> yeah. me just say. But as you're older, you're tending to settle more into what you know is true and yes. right. And if you've got that passion maintained, yes. I remember it was Paul who said to Timothy, fan into flame, mm-hmm. uh, that spark, and uh, let that sort of fire rage uh, for the passion that you have. So you can't yeah. let that passion wane. Hey, come back to the purposes here, Stu, because yep. uh, as we said, sometimes this is confusing to people when you start talking about the purposes of God. If we're talking about evangelism as a purpose, that's a part of the Great Commission mm-hmm. and going into all the world and uh, sharing the gospel. But making disciples yes. is more than just sharing the gospel with mm-hmm. someone and sometimes I suspect this is when you get a little few extra years under your belt that uh, you know you've got more capacity to help people with the context of where they are and where they're fitting in with the purposes of God. Thoughts here around the Great Commission and uh, yeah. the way that works? Well, there's really two parts to the Great Commission. There's proclaiming the gospel and making disciples. And so, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people would say, well, look, proclaiming the gospel is, is the entry into the kingdom of God. It's, you know, you need to hear the gospel in order to respond to it and to come to know Christ, to come into his kingdom. But that's just the beginning. <laughs> Discipleship has to happen from there where we disciple people and, and uh, to, to grow in the knowledge of God and and all these other aspects of church life are so, so important in that discipleship process. But again, it should be for a reason so that those people can join uh, the the Great Commission, so that they too are preaching the gospel, leading other people to Christ, and then discipling them as well. So we want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We tend to these days uh, have someone come to Christ and we go through a discipleship program at church we teach them how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to worship a fellowship, uh, communion, baptism. Uh, we go through all the you know tithing. We teach them all these elements, and then we go right. We've done it now. You're you're a disciple of Jesus. Sit in church for the next forty years. Sing two fast songs, three fast so slow songs. Put your money in the pot, and then we go to heaven. 
Well, it's not like that. We've got a purpose here. We've got a reason for being here. We're made disciples so we can make disciples, so they can make disciples. So Jesus wants to grow his kingdom. And so we, we need to we need to put that in the forefront of people's minds. What follows in the wake of the believer who is being discipled? This is a powerful thing to contemplate. I'm just thinking of uh, one of the great church growth missionaries, uh, Donald McGavran, who uh, just as amazing uh, character, a real pioneer in talking about the growth of the church. And he, I think, is the pioneer of the thought redemption and lift. So when you come to Christ, stuff changes so dramatically that your whole circumstances, mm. economic circumstances, your uh, psychological circumstances, everything about you begins to lift. Mm. And uh, I can't help but thinking that when someone is in a discipleship, when they are submitted to Christ, when they are a part of the kingdom and God's purposes, things lift for them, mm. and it doesn't stop with the individual. It extends to the family. It extends to the community. And we could even describe how it extends to whole nations. This mm. is an important element, what follows in the, in, the, in the path of that simple sharing of the gospel. Mm. And that was the example of the early church when they went out daily sharing the gospel. You know, the, the numbers were added to their their number daily, and they you know they met together, they encouraged each other, they sang spiritual songs, they took communion, they and then they went out and they shared the gospel. They they met for purpose, and and if you became a Christian, it was part of your DNA that that we we are building the kingdom of God here. We're we're trying to bring more disciples into the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, it's it would seem Neil. The church has changed a lot in the last twenty twenty uh, you know two thousand years, and you if you are out sharing the gospel every day today, you're a bit of a wacko. You know, you're one of those weird Christians because <laughs> we've got this bit of a culture now. Instead of we're here about building the kingdom of God and, and adding disciples, we're we're just like you know, come in, be comfortable. You know, what songs are we singing on Sunday? You know, it's it's changed a lot, and um, so I think it's it's really important that we review why we're here. And what what our goal is? I mean, why aren't we in heaven right now? I mean, a lot of people say, "Well, well, church is about fellowship. It's about teaching. It's about worship, and all those things are fantastic." And I don't want anyone to go away from this show going, "Oh, Stuart just wants us all to evangelize, and and that's it. You know, <laughs> nothing else is important." But all those things are incredibly important. But they're means to an end rather than the end in themselves. Like fellowship. We're not fellowshipping so we can encourage each other to fellowship, so we can encourage each other to fellowship, so we can encourage each other to fellowship. We're fellowshipping for a purpose, but sometimes it becomes the end in itself. That's why we have church, to, fe- to fellowship with each other. But we're trying to, we should be meeting together and fellowshipping to encourage each other in the goal that we've got. If fellowship was the end, Jesus would well, as well snap his fingers right now and we go to heaven and we all have sweet, sweet fellowship with each other. Yes. If, if worship was the end, we might as well snap his fingers and we're worshipping with the choirs of angels. If, if, if teaching was, was the end, you know. But what is it you think about it, what our church service involves? Fellowship, worship, teaching. That's the focus of our churches. And yet, if that was really the end goal, we may as well be in heaven now. What are we doing on earth? Well, when we can contemplate, uh, there must be more than this. That's a part of it, isn't it? What we're seeing Mm. as what happens in church. Is this as good as it gets or could it be a whole lot better? And I'm just reflecting those 12 disciples of Jesus Mm. who turned the world upside down under the absolutely brutal and oppressive Roman Empire Mm. and within three to four hundred years 
Christianity becomes the state religion of Rome. Now, That's right. there's all sorts of problems with that too, <laughs> let me just say, except that turning the world upside down and the change that comes in this transforming process of bringing the gospel message, mm. discipling believers, yeah. and the change that comes into lives, communities, even nations, is mm. absolutely amazing. Stu, uh, let's move on. And as some calls come through, we'll, uh, we'll reflect on what listeners might have to say. There is a thought, though, uh, you know, and... This is not a wrong thought because I'm just reflecting on those fishermen that were following Jesus and they decided to leave their nets and their fishing business and just follow Christ. Some might be thinking, what are you saying here, Stu? What are you saying here, Neil? Do I just drop everything and all of a sudden I'm a disciple and discipler and I'm doing all those things? What are your thoughts here, Stu? Because every one of us is saying, how does the purpose of God that I'm going to be part of fit in with the passions that I'm pursuing? What has to change in all of that? Mm. Well, definitely. Um, if God calls you to um, to drop your nets and follow him in a full-time capacity going around sharing the gospel, that's great. And I would encourage you to do that. But uh, often people listening might be saying, well, you know what? I feel God's called me into business or I feel God's called me to be a nurse or I feel God's called me to be whatever you're doing. And if God's led you in that direction, he's, he's put you there for a purpose. And we've got to be salt and light in our world. We need Christians in all different industries in our society. We need business people. I tell you what, Neil, I mean, people say, oh, you know, it's okay for you. You're a full-time evangelist. But the only reason I can be full-time as an evangelist and training people how to share the gospel, developing resources and, and, and uh, et cetera, is because I have a whole lot of business people that support me. <laughs> uh, if we weren't supported as a family, I've got four kids, I've got a mortgage, how would I survive? Uh, how would we live if there weren't people who felt called by God to work in, the, in a business, to make money, to invest in the kingdom of God? So there's so many different aspects. And this is what I mean. We're a body. We've got different parts. We've got different gifts. And we've got different diversity. But we should all be working towards passionate about seeing the gospel go out and people coming into a relationship with Jesus. Isn't it the same for anyone you can think of in your local community who mm. is a full-time uh, servant of God yeah. in a ministry role? Absolutely. Did they just click their fingers and all of a sudden they were employed in that capacity? No, it's never the case like that. I think I can safely say yeah. never the case mm. because when you start with what you have as a gift, as a passion, at the little end where you're volunteering, where you're right. doing all the, maybe the, the dirty jobs mm. uh, around uh, serving in local church life. Uh, and you're actually, you know, not the person up front. You're just the person who is supporting the things that happen up front. Mm. Eventually, when your equipping becomes of a level that uh, someone says we need to fill, fill a position of leadership, then you may be considered for a role in that mm. and you could move into a full-time paid employment. Mm. Even that's never guaranteed, let me just continue no, to say. But, but, but Stu, there's a process. We mm. start with where we're at, not where just where the, you know, the, the bright lights and the big city might be. 
Mm, absolutely. And uh, if God's leading you, and you you may feel a call to full-time ministry, and if you do, you need to take those steps towards it. And there's always the worry, well, how will I get paid? What if I don't get a, a position? I mean, I, I've never had a, a well, very, very a few years in, in my ministry life. In the last 29 years, I've actually had any sort of a wage at all. We've been living on faith for most of that time. But God has always provided, and let me encourage you that if God's leading you into this, he will provide where he calls. Uh, He always does. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider, and he will make it happen. And um, if you're someone who doesn't feel called to to a full-time ministry, you're still in full-time ministry in your business. We're all in full-time ministry in a sense. Um, You know, we talk about people who are going to full-time Christian ministry, but really, a whole lot of us are because we should all have that focus on uh, reaching the world for Christ and we're all playing our part in our own gifts and our own abilities, whether it's investing money, whether it's praying, people who pray behind the ministry. I can't do what I can do unless I've got prayers behind me, you know, because intercession is so important. All these giftings are important and we should all be working together for that overall goal. If you're looking for biblical foundations for what you're saying here, Stu, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just thinking of one particular character. Uh, Perhaps uh, some will say uh, one of the or the greatest apostle of the New Testament who was equipped to make tents. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we talk about being a tent maker. Uh, And what the Apostle Paul did was while he was on his missionary journeys, Mm -hmm. he had the capacity to find work wherever he was. Mm -hmm. He could make tents. And in order to survive, it wasn't just people who were shelling out money on the side to give him a wage so he could drive a Mercedes Benz. He was making tents to survive while he was Mm -hmm. fulfilling the call of God on his life. Yeah, and Paul talks about, you know, he, he says sometimes he's, sometimes he's had plenty, sometimes he's been in want, but whatever, his grace is sufficient for me. And I love the way that Paul writes about that. Sometimes he had a lot of support coming from churches that he had been to. Other times he didn't get any, and he's, you know, working hard, making tents just to get by. But he knew the call of God on his life, and he thought, you know what, well, no matter what happens, I'm going to be doing it. And uh, we can we can be serving God while we're in a, in a secular job. We can be sharing Him. We can make a difference. And it also um, really, I think, is inspiring if if you're a young person listening here today and you're feeling like you go, want to go into missionary work. You know, train as a teacher or a nurse. I mean, those two professions. It doesn't matter where you go. It's like being a tent maker. Anywhere in the world, they're wanting teachers and nurses. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously more professions than that as well, but. Um, you know, get something that's valuable that can be used anywhere. That you can get a job, you can get part of the local community, and you can share Jesus while you do that. I can't help but thinking that there are times in more recent church history. I'm talking hundreds of years, where there have been groups who've decided to leave behind their positions of influence because somehow or other they were gathering together in a holy huddle and things were getting bad and darkness was coming and they were just going to wait for the coming of Jesus. But we're called, I think, to occupy until he comes, to be in those roles of influence not diminishing influence, but even increasing influence. Mm. The tent maker, the one who is passionate about pursuing the purposes of God and knowing where you fit, mm. it's not about diminishing and retreating, Stu. It's about advancing. 
Absolutely, and we can advance in, in lots of different ways. And God needs people in all different spheres of society. He needs people with influence to make a difference. Uh, and we've got uh, wonderful Christian organizations trying to uh, make a difference in the cultural wars. You know, we've got the ACL and Family First and other, other organizations like that that are uh, making a difference in our society because they want God's kingdom to be here on earth as in heaven. And we need all these different elements in play there's not just one strategy one tool one way uh you know god is calling different people to different elements of society but we need to be salt and light making a difference it was the great reformer martin luther who described the plowboy and the milkmaid as being just as much in ministry as the priest mm. And uh, there's this thought that you have this priesthood of all believers. That's right. Everybody's got their ministry role. And do you know what? If you are the plowboy, you are no less important than the person who is the leader, the uh, the minister, the priest, or however you'd like to talk about that. We're all in this together because mm. there is something that is being uh, unfolded. Uh, you know, the, the, the amazing way that God is unfolding his purposes. Mm. Uh, we all fit into their stew. And coming we back do. to that body of Christ, we've mm. all got a role to play. Absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, Jesus said, if you want to be a great leader, you need to be the servant of all. Uh, and I love it when I, you know, in, in, in a church and after the meeting, I see the pastor grabbing a broom and sweeping up or picking up some things or putting chairs away um, because they say, they're not, you know, saying, I'm the, I'm the senior pastor here. I don't do that sort of thing. All the, the lackeys do that. They're getting in there and saying, you know what? It needs to be done. I'm going to do it. And they're not above that. And I think we've got to keep our humility no matter what our station or position or title uh, all of us are called to serve we're all called to uh, to you know uh, be a servant for Christ if we're going to be a leader isn't that amazing because there will not be a single person listening who doesn't applaud their senior leaders in their church mm-hmm. when they are seen to be doing those mundane things and not looking to be filmed a photo opportunity while you're doing this <laughs> uh, but actually genuinely looking out for cleaning up and making sure everything's in place because that's what's serving the next crowd of people coming into this auditorium. That's what it's all about. There's a certain sense in which you are there as a servant to the people and servanthood is a part of what we understand about leadership. Jesus Mm. overturned the whole... The whole yeah. uh, definition of what it is to be a leader when he says the greatest among you will be a servant. Yeah. Come back to these purposes, Stu. Yes. There's some other purposes. We talked about the Great Commission, and we often will like to talk about that. It's mm. more prominent to talk about that when we talk about the purposes of God. But something mm. happened right at the beginning back mm. to Genesis. A cultural mandate, a dominion that believers are called to have. That mm. never did stop, did it? No. It's never stopped. It's it's uh, been going from Genesis. It's still going today, and uh, we need. To, <laughs> we were created for a purpose. We were created for relationship with God, uh, and so even when I've been talking about you know how fellowship maybe is is a is a means to an end. You know, there's a sense where our end is in the end goal uh, of reaching the world for Jesus, going out with the gospel, making disciples. But but that isn't even the end. It's only a temporary end for us here on earth because ultimately it's about relationship with, with God. It's about bringing people into the 
kingdom of God for us to glorify him. You know, like the, the Westminster Confession of Faith says yep. to uh, the, the, the chief end of man, it says, is to, glor- uh, to, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that is our ultimate goal. And, and uh, when we're in heaven forever, that's what we'll be doing. We won't need to evangelize in heaven because it's not the end goal, evangelism. It's just a, a purpose we've got, a mission we've got at the moment to reach people so they come into relationship God, with God, that they would glorify God and enjoy him forever as well. So the life transformed is mm. really a part of that is the person finding where they mm. fit in the purposes of God. Yes. That God is all about dominion, which doesn't mean domination because mm. even servanthood uh, turns that on its head. That's right. Uh, so dominion is about the presence and power of God that continues on from Genesis right through until the end. You know, I'm just reminded of that scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, and it's in verse 21. Uh, God is building a building. It's uh, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Mm. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Mm. Uh, This is a picture of the church, isn't it? Or Mm. where you fit in the body of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's a great picture, isn't it? Like like the body or or a building. There's many, many different parts to a building. You know, not everyone's a door. Hopefully no one's a doormat. <laughs> yes. Uh, not everyone's a window. Not everyone's part of the, 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 the structure. Uh, not everyone's the roof. We've all got a different part to play in that building. And uh, But the, the chief cornerstone, of course, is Jesus Christ. And he is the, 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 uh, the, the foundation of our building. Uh, and we need to build on that. But we need to be a, you know, a building that represents him. I know someone listening will say, I do feel like the doormat. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't help but think, too, when we have an understanding of the body, uh, some parts are prominent Mm. and others are, are, uh, what's what's the word, Uh, just uh, tucked away. They're the ones that are, uh, what's the word? Uh, Modest. Modesty, yes, those those yep. less prominent parts. Mm. And so for some people, mm. uh, they'll feel like they are that less prominent part. I know that if we took a whole bunch of calls, we'd be having people saying, well, I feel like I do have that less prominent part, but I do that with a certain sense of mm. spiritual pride, mm. uh, that God has set me here and this is what I'm called to do. And yes. uh, others might be thinking, I feel like I'm sort of thrust into this and uh, I'm getting a bit tired of it. I wish there'd be some more people put their hand up and be on the roster with me, uh, but they're not as uh, as prominent as, uh, as, as they'd like. But yes, finding your place, yes. this is a key in, mm. in fact, being happy in what you pursue in the purposes of God. Mm. And, and it's not about whether you're prominent or not. It's about whether you're faithfully serving Christ with your whole heart. And I think, you know, we might be very surprised in heaven when the when the rewards are dished out. We might think they're going to go to all the, the prominent, you know, evangelists and pastors and people, you know, but it's like, well, you know, Mary Jane in the in the church who's sweeping the floors, who's doing it with all her heart and sharing the gospel with her workmates and and you know, aren't we all you know, in full time ministry serving Christ and if we do it with all of our heart, you know, I think that's what it's all about. 
You know, sometimes we get complicated and we want to unpack things and we need to talk things through. Mm -hmm. But there is a sense in which read your Bible, Mm -hmm. pray and share your faith with someone Mm -hmm. uh, covers a whole lot of bases, which are really, really important. Mm -hmm. I want to just uh, run something by you, Stu. I'm not sure whether you've thought this through, but if you're talking about reading your Bible and praying and aligning yourself with God's will, with Mm -hmm. his purpose, in all of that, we ought to have a big dream about where God might be leading us. Because mm. sometimes you think you're just serving in the modest places in mm. the kingdom. Uh, perhaps you need to lift your eyes a little higher mm. and recognize that some of the gifts you have and some of the equipping that can happen can prepare you for bigger things. What are your thoughts about having a big dream as a believer? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, that scripture about, you know, doing exceedingly more than we can even think or imagine, you know, that's an amazing scripture because we can think and imagine a lot of stuff now. That's right. But God can do even more than that, exceedingly more than that. And I think, you know, we've got to open ourselves to God uh, in faith, have eyes of faith rather than, oh, I think I can only do this or, you know, I'm restricted with my finance or I'm restricted with my time or restricted with this. God can do incredible things through you if you're open to him and say, God, I want to make a difference. I want to be uh, a, a something, do something of significance for eternity with my life. I believe God will honor that prayer and uh, bring you to that place. You know, there are times when we talk about what God has promised in the scriptures and sometimes people are picking up all sorts of things from the scripture and they're saying that's a promise of God and, and you know, you there'll be a lot of people who might argue with whether that's a real promise or whether that's something you've you know you've sure. misinterpreted. Yep. But there are some things I suspect we can settle on, and that is that God has a good plan for us. Yes. And I think we could take that as a promise, Mm. you know, even from Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days Mm. of my life. Yes. But other very popular scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 11, a lot Mm. of people say, this is my favorite scripture. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good, not for harm or disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Relying on some promises Mm. sometimes is all we've got. Uh, Mm. But what are your thoughts here for recognizing Mm. the value of those promises? Well, I think we're you know the more that we know God, we know more that we know that He is good. God is good. He's a good, good Father, and He loves us and He wants the best for us. You know, sometimes we think, oh man, I've got to give my life over to God. You know, it's always a struggle when someone becomes a Christian to relinquish control of their lives to surrender over to Jesus and say, I'm going to follow you, but He's been around a lot longer than we have. He knows what's best for our lives, and he loves us so much that we can have the confidence to surrender to him and say, Jesus, you know what's best for me. Now, we may not always like it, Neil, and he may call us to some really hard things, and, and the road is narrow and it's windy and it's and it's hard to, to pass. It's not easy, but it's worth it, and he's with us every step of the way, and he can help us to make a, an, an eternal difference. Let's take another call. Robin is in Melbourne. Hi, Robin. Welcome. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. And to you too. What are your thoughts? Look, I just, I give thanks every day. I have only, you were talking before about somebody who was 76 years young. I came to the Lord, and that's me also, I came to the Lord only 30 years ago when I was worshipping money, big job, cars, expensive clothes, and suddenly went to a conference about making money and 
two days later gave my heart to the Lord. Wow. And at that stage, I had a lump that for three years had been diagnosed as nothing to worry about. And suddenly I knew then it wasn't nothing. And within a few months, I was diagnosed with cancer. So I only had three years walking with the Lord because when you first give your heart to him, I think you're even more close than you wax and wane a little bit. Um, And so I've been 30 years cancer-free, so I've got no excuse not to share the goodness of God. No excuse at all, because I've been kept safe, drug-free, and sometimes that's hard. Um, But God has always been good. It's not always my timing or what. I want and expect, but in hindsight, his timing is always perfect. His way is always perfect. And then having seen my mum and dad go to eternity at the ages of 97 and 100, uh-huh. and I was with them both at home at the time, wow. um, it was a bit lonely during lockdowns in Melbourne. And some of the ladies in the supermarket became good friends of mine because that's who I saw when I couldn't see people. Mm. Um, and so a supermarket ministry sort of sprung up a little bit. And, um, <laughs> Robert, I, had someone here, I had someone here yesterday who, who doesn't do church, hasn't been to church, but I only met a couple of weeks ago in one of the big supermarkets. And we have so much in common. And oh, look, God is good. He, he wants us to trust him completely because then he can bless us. That's right. Robin, you are an amazing woman. Thank you so much for calling in and sharing those things. Uh, Stu, your thoughts for Robin? Oh, I just love the fact that uh, it's just coming out of Robin. She knows the goodness of God and regardless of circumstances, and she's had some hard ex- uh, circumstances in her life, she knows that God is good regardless of circumstances and he always takes her through them. I know we're closing in on the end of the show, uh, Neil, but we've talked a lot about reaching people with the gospel and uh, I know that some people may be listening and going, well, I, I want to work reach people in my workplace I want to reach people at the supermarket like Robin is reaching people I want to you know reach out but how do I don't know what to say I don't know how to start the conversation I don't know well there are resources on our, on our website you've mentioned it before train to reclaim.com and I always encourage people to get the G7 app you can go to the Apple store or the Android store and just uh, type in G for gospel and the number seven get the app on the phone there's an internal tutorial that you can learn how to use it and it's a great way for you to just uh, sit down with a friend or someone you know or someone you don't know and take them through the gospel message it's a great uh, tool to start that conversation if you want to find where you fit uh, you in some ways have to have an assessment of where you are and then mm. say what do I take to what do I do to take a step up yes. uh, to become equipped, uh, to learn some more, to get a bit more mature. Let me just say thank you so much to Robin for your call. And we are about to finish up this conversation Mm. today. Uh, Stu, when we go to your website, and we often talk about the G7 app, Mm -hmm. and uh, thanks for reminding us of that, free resources that help you understand where you are in the context of being someone who has an aspiration to to share your faith, mm. to be a witness, to grow in discipleship. There's lots of free resources. You've yeah. got uh, all sorts of downloadable things that people yep. can actually, they can just click on that and they'll download yep. it and they'll be, it'll be quality resource people can get right now. 
Yes, and a lot of training uh, resources there as well. If you want to, if you're not confident in sharing the gospel, or you're not sure what the gospel is, there's articles on there. There's video resources. There's a full video uh, course on sharing the gospel. Um, that you can a seven week course that you can do. You can do it with a small group if you want, or just do it online on your own. Um, and so, yeah, so there's uh, great resources to help you create opportunities and then to share a clear. Uh, gospel message with people around you. And I know you are available for Zoom calls yes. uh, to lead people through training on mm-hmm. a Zoom. Uh, and so I encourage listeners, connect with Stu Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hear how he communicates just beautifully. Train to proclaim.com. Uh, you could have Stu face to face in your local church. I'll leave you that to tee that up with him, but he's promised to go anywhere he's invited. Yes. Uh, and uh, <laughs> just to put you on the spot, there, Stu, and of course, uh, Zoom uh, creates an, a wonderful sure. opportunity to be able to speak to small groups, even to entire churches, uh, with a train to proclaim opportunity. There, uh, Stu, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and heart with us once again today. Train to proclaim dot com. Stu Miller is the founder of Train to Proclaim. Stu, wonderful having you on Twenty Twenty. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.